Hallo, guten Tag. Ich bin Sandrine. Buongiorno, mi chiamo Christa. Welcome to Step Into Monday. We are Step Into Mondays. We are glad you found us. We are glad to have you back. Or if it's your first time, welcome. Don't take my level of um, proficiency in German into any <laughs> indication as to our knowledge about teaching. <laughs> we um, are just trying to make all languages feel included. So we've learned a little smidge and today was our shout out to German and Italian. Right. And uh, yeah, that's about, that's my limited knowledge of it and my accent. I'm sure it was horrendous. So I apologize to all the German teachers. Sorry. But, um, yeah, all right. You are, you are comprehensible. It's all good. All right. Yes. They knew where I was going with that. After that, they would be lost. But right now, they knew. So that's good. Mm -hmm. So we have had so much food for thought as of late, don't you think? With talking oh. to Dawn and revisiting the proficiency unit and the trainings that we've done with Ola. Yes. There's just so much. Sometimes you think your, you know, your brain is just not going to hold anymore. I know. I feel like my summer is uh, not happening. I'm like, where is my summer? I've tried to have a break, but I don't know that I have had it. Yeah. Well, I think it's just, you know, with the, the coronavirus pandemic and, you know, all of the other issues with protests and everything it's just it's an unusual time and I think it you know it, it would be a stressful time anyway and I think it's probably just even more stressful because we don't know what um, the future will hold for the fall yeah definitely that unknown I mean I know basically I have to prepare three syllabus right <laughs> Because I have to do There's one no that be ready that, right? for, you know, one ready for remote teaching, one for face-to-face -face teaching, and one for a hybrid if we're back in the same situation. Exactly. Like, so no stress oh, at all. Yeah. No, no stress at all. I, it's not like, you know, I wanted to have a summer. And then the very necessary changes that are happening now that mean that I have to educate myself further because, honestly, some of those changes, I've, I've always said them. But um, there is a lot more into the issue that I don't know, that I might not have seen or thought about. So I really need to educate myself. Absolutely. Make sure that and I change and reflect that in my classes. Exactly. And I think that's one reason why our topic today, I mean, I'm all about this is one of my favorite um, topics, so, you know, planning for instruction, basically planning your curriculum. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we really are advocating one of the most effective practices that um, Actful has labeled as one of their core practices, the high leverage practices of backward design planning. Yeah. 
And so I, I think it's, I think it's really important that you use this model that we're going to talk about today for all levels of all levels of planning from your curriculum to your unit, to your daily plan. You've got to use the same model. Yes. And, and of course you and I have done some training on the backward design as a principle. We've done the theory, mm-hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. like when we were talking with Dawn the other day, she said it, right? And it's funny because it's like, did you take the words out of my mouth? Because she said it. She said, you have to know where you're going. And it's like, no, that's that's my job to say that. You have to plan. You have to know your destination. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That was that was fabulous. When she said that, I was like, oh, that's Sandrine's line. When we do our presentation, that's always what you talk about. Yeah. I know, right? That's the one I always fall back on. And I'm sure I've said it on here on the podcast podcast before it's like you have to know where you're going you cannot get on the road and hope that you get maybe somewhere or get on the road just take random roads and go well I was going to Chicago but I'm in New Orleans I wonder why right you can't do that you have to know I'm going to Chicago I'm looking at my map and i'm looking at the way i'm gonna go am i gonna go interstate am i gonna go small roads which way am i going um and i know in the gps world it's different because now we just plug it and gps does it for us but right you and i are from before well, but GPS. you still have to know <laughs> you still have to know what your final destination is to you plug do. it into the gps i mean if you don't know your final destination you're still not going to get there with a the gps Exactly, exactly. And I think um, and a lot of times uh, in a lot of programs, I think people tend to think too, oh, well, I, I know where I'm going. I'm following my textbook. Right. And yes, the textbook will get you somewhere, but the textbook doesn't have to be 100% of your teaching. Right. I, think it's important to mix it up because students enjoy it. They get tired of the textbook. I know I get tired of the textbook. Mm-hmm. I'll do some things well, with it because they're a good resource, but then I like to go away from it. But I think that's the key right there, what you just said, that it's a resource. It's not the Bible. Right. It is one of many resources that you should use. It gives the tools to the students. It gives them the basics. But I know this spring I used uh, Google Explorer with my students and they really enjoyed it. And as much as a textbook can try, it's very difficult for them to give that same experience. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then it gives a variety and students enjoy variety. Yes, they do. And I think something that, and I don't know if you remember this from when our kids were um, in elementary school, but you know, they did had those seven, seven, um, what was it, steps or seven principles of highly effective people. Mm-hmm. And number one, it just cracks me up because it's what we're, it's begin with the end in mind. Yeah. Basically, it's, yeah, pick your destination. What is it you're, you're looking at? your final goal there and everything that you're doing from now until then, I mean, it's to achieve that. So, and that, and, you know, and I think it's Stephen Covey is that I think is the author and yeah. So you have to begin with the end in mind and that's kind of what backward design is, is talking about. So, you know, you have to think about 
your course content, you have to think about um, what it is that you ultimately want your students to do. And I think you have to go back to your reflections that we talked about a few weeks ago mm -hmm. to see, okay, what did I like, what did I not like, but you ultimately have to sit down and ask your question, you know, what is the ultimate goal that I want for my students when they finish this year? Maybe it's a first year class or a second year class or, you know, whatever level that's, or maybe like for us, it's one semester. Right. And so what do you want them to be able to do at the end of the semester? What is your big goal? And uh, yes, and it goes back to uh, Michelle Ola's question. Remember that yes. sentence mm -hmm. that we had? I think that's what you were kind of thinking about, isn't it? Yes. Um, and I'm trying to find it, but I don't have it in front of me. But basically the idea was at the end of whatever term it is that you have, I want all of my students to be able to do you know, this. Mm -hmm. And there was another part to it, which I can't think. I'm sorry, Michelle, I forgot the second part of it. But, but that was the basic idea. <laughs> right, right. And you know, the whole idea of backward design, just to get a little bit, I mean, we are trying to bridge theory to practice, but the theory actually comes, I mean, it's supported in research. Wiggins and McTie, if you want to, you can do a Google search of them if you want to look this practice up. Wiggins and McTie 2005. And so they're saying that you've got to design lessons and tasks that have functional goals and objectives. I mean, that, and that's what we're all about in language class. We want them to be able to function. Um, so that's kind of, I mean, so that, that's the theoretical aspect of it. And now we want to put it into planning our um, curriculum for the year. And I do want to say at the outset that if you've never heard of backward design or if you've never done it before, it can seem kind of daunting at first. And you may feel a little bit uncomfortable with it because you're like, well, wait, I just want to take my textbook and go to chapter one and then go to chapter two. And, um, you know, but we know that in order to be effective, you've got to, you know, you've got to follow this practice of looking at your goal for the end of the year first. Um, and there's a lot that goes into looking at your goals. Um, there are so many factors. What are some of the factors, Sandrine, that you use when you're thinking about these, you know, overall arching curricular goals? What do you mean by factors? Well, I mean, what kinds of, what kinds of, um, what kinds of research, what kinds of things do you take into account okay. here establishing your, your goals for your course? I mean, I, of course, I look at proficiency levels and yes. what proficiency I want my students to reach mm -hmm. and what the descriptors of the proficiency level are. Yes. Um, that's, that's one of my first and foremost um, goal that I look at. I want my students at the end of this semester to be at this level, to be able to perform at this, at this level and to be able to, you know, whether it's novice mid and have 
broken up sentences or whatnot, but to be able to to have that. Um, Mm -hmm. Yes, that, that's exactly what I was thinking. So you, know, you need to take into account proficiency levels, maybe like the actual K-12 performance descriptors, mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the can-do statements. The can-do statements, yes, which I tend to, I, I always think about them and then I get going and I forget them. And it's like, no, I need to do a better job at that with the can-do statements because they're very important. They're driven. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um, and I think something else I, I take into consideration is uh, the why, like why do I want them to be able to do this? Mm -hmm. What is that going to do for them? Because language classes, we're not just teaching language. We have that global competency that right. we are dealing with and we're trying to make them global scholars and global citizens global citizens um but scholars too learners yeah yeah you know? that's true and, and i'm not saying scholars in the term of super highly expert educated you know people i'm no, saying no, no, but scholars I'm just, in yeah. the time of a learner exactly and we want them to be learners and global citizens absolutely mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's part of that. So I, I do have that in consideration too. Like, so they, they need to reach that professional, that proficiency level. They need to have that. And then there is the, the why. So in what I'm looking at that they should be able to do. So maybe one of my goals for their, for them at the end of the semester is to be able to do a successful presentation in the target language. Mm -hmm. And by successful, I don't mean they had a bunch of index cards and they talked about it, you know, or they had perfectly beautifully crafted sentences. I mean, if they get there, great. But I'm speaking more of a, they had the support that mm -hmm. the audience needed and they were able to stand in front of their peers and not hide behind the computer like they tend to do. Mm -hmm. you know, they, they start their presentation and then you see them more and more behind the computer and then it's kind of like, is there somebody back there? I'm hearing a voice. Mm -hmm. um, so by successful presentation, that's what I mean, you know, and it's not like, oh, they had all of the sentences up there and they were reading the sentences. No, they were able to have that and to look professional as they were doing it because then they can take it to a different class or to a job and do a good right. job at it. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think of course the, you know, another tremendous piece are the um, world readiness standards, yes. the five C's. Mm -hmm. So man, there, there's quite a lot there that we have to, you know, take into consideration when we're establishing, um, our goals for um, for the year, and you know, the first that's step one in backward design is you, you have to identify the desired result. What are your goals, and and you have to do that. I mean, on every level, your overarching curricular goals, your thematic goals, your daily goals. You've got to be thinking in those terms and you've got to keep all of these other things in mind proficiency levels can do statements <laughs> the five c's all of this all integrated together um 
And so it may, like I said before, seem daunting at first, but the more you do, it's like anything else, the more you do it and the more practice. Um, and I think you'll, you know, cause that's what we used when we wrote that French one curriculum, we did mm -hmm. the backward design templates and, you know, the first one we're like, wow, we're struggling, but man, by the time we finished up that eight one, we're like, oh, we got this down now. Well, and it didn't help that on the first one we did, that was my second one to have done because we had done the proficiency unit where we used right. it and mm -hmm. I had no idea where we're going. You get to essential question and I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. And then, so when we did that, and you're right, we did unit one, I was still like, uh, is that, what? what is that? Uh, remind me again, define that for me. And then, yes. but then by doing it, we have it. So then it becomes, it gets to a point when you're doing it without following necessarily the template or it's kind of a second. Right, it just becomes, yeah, it just becomes second nature. Right. You're doing your unit, you're doing your, your lesson for the day and you kind of have that in the back of your mind going with it mm -hmm. and it helps guide you as far as that. So I think, Let's take um, stage one and kind of break it down and we can uh, use our classes because I'm going to have to redo my syllabus anyway because um, we have a shorter semester in the fall. Mm -hmm. We're looking at a 13-week semester, so it means a revised syllabus, a revised... Of so how many weeks are you cutting? We're cutting, I think, four. Oh, wow. That's a huge cut. Okay. Because I think our semester was 17 weeks. I'm pretty mm, sure that's okay. what it was. We are not, we're included not. included finals, but yeah. Well, see, right now we are not, I mean, we're on regular schedule. They've said, nope, we're all going to be all, um, on campus. It's all going to be fabulous. So we'll see. The only thing we know is that we're going to a 13-week semester. Mm-hmm. And we have been told very clearly that it means we have to cut material, that we mm. cannot expect the students to put more work in order to achieve the quantity of work that they normally would have done. Uh, mm -hmm. And that after Thanksgiving, we will not be face to face. Okay. So, but we don't know whether the Thanksgiving mark is going to be the finals mark or whether we will still have some weeks to go behind it or what we have. I see. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's where we at. I mean, after mm -hmm. that, it's all up in the air. So yeah. yeah. And the, the backward design really helps inform what a syllabus should have on it. I mean, you're going to mm -hmm. have a lot more details because obviously you're going to have the classroom rules and uh, the, the grading policy, but the, even the grading policy, you have to know what you're doing overall with your program in order to be able to design that. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's look at the stage one, which is the desired results. What do we want to get out of, or our students to get out of our program, right? Mm -hmm. And then we have some sub parts to that with the goals, the understandings, the essential questions, what our students will know and be able to do. Right. So I, what, are your, what are you teaching in the fall? Uh, I've got 101, 102, 201. Okay. 
So I have 101, 102, and two something. It's an intro to lit. Mm -hmm. So, but the majority, three out of my four are uh, asynchronous online from the very beginning. And, and one is face-to-face. -face. Right. Mm -hmm. So you have to mirror that, but the syllabus remains fair and similar, doesn't it? Um, yeah, the goals, yes. Mm -hmm. It's it's just the, the delivery, absolutely, yeah. Okay. All right. So I want to focus on 101, and then we can do 102 at some other time. Sure. Since we're both doing 101. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. So what are your goals for your Spanish 101? Well, our goals um, kind of mirror. Um, th these goals were come up with in the Spanish um division because 101 is a departmental course and so we kind of all agree <laughs> if mm -hmm. you will and so we have interpersonal communication that's our goal students will initiate and sustain spoken or written communication with others and then each um you know each course has a different proficiency level the i mean the goal is the same to initiate and sustain spoken and written communication, but, you know, for 101, it's like novice, mid-novice high. For 102, it's novice high, you know, to intermediate low, and by the time they get to 201, we want them to hopefully be solid intermediate low. Yeah. So, yeah, so we've got that. We've got our interpretive. Students understand, interpret, and analyze what is heard, viewed, or read on a variety of topics. Um, and of course, we've got our presentational, culture, connections. We've got all of those. One other um, thing that we added um, is that our, we have a goal for proficiency. And the goal is to be able to apply the world language proficiency framework to one's own learning. So we want them to be able to describe in simple terms proficiency. And we want them to be able to set appropriate language learning goals. Right. Mm -hmm. That would be similar to to what my goals are. And in my case, we, it's also a departmental and we have the basics of it. And then I kind of tweak it a little bit because I am more proficiency oriented. Mm -hmm. So that's where I will add. But same thing, my novice, my 101, I'm thinking novice mid, novice, novice high. Um, and, and if some people wonder why not just novice high, like when we were talking to um, Don the other day, and that, that made me realize, because I always said, okay, you know, novice mid, novice high, and then one or two novice high, intermediate low. And I never really thought about why I have that. When she was talking about it, you have to differentiate the learning and have mm -hmm. that. And some of my students, um, like in the fall, I had football players. They were not able to put the work that they that they otherwise could have in order for their proficiency to get any higher than a mid. Right. Because they were training first thing in the morning. They were training in the evening. They had very little time to do any kind of work outside of class. Um, anything they did on proficiency activities was limited, which is where that would really have helped them level up. Now, when I had them in the spring, they weren't training anymore. You should have seen them go. That was completely different students. 
Right. And I think that that is tremendously important as well. You have to keep in mind that's why you always have a range because you never know what your students are going through. Right. And what they've got at a, you know, any particular time. And that's a perfect example mm -hmm. uh, for you because I know. And that's why, honestly, the online classes have become so popular at my university in the spring with um, volleyball and with uh, track and with tennis and baseball. I mean, those people are gone a lot. They mm -hmm. miss a lot of face-to-face -face classes. And so if they can take an online course, um, they tend to learn better and, you know, and to do better because they, they're still getting all of the material. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and one thing too, um, you know, when you're looking at, I didn't think about this until just now, when you're looking at the can-do statements, you know, Actful has intercultural can-do statements as well. So, you know, don't just look at the linguistic ones um, because we've got, you know, when you talk about cultures, the products, practices, and perspectives, and the comparisons, um, you know, we are definitely... Uh, in, in even connections, you know, all of the C's uh, are, are working towards global competence, that intercultural competence is, is, is one of the, the goals. So you've got to make sure that you look at all of those can-do statements as well. Mm -hmm. um, so my department does have a textbook that we use to guide us. And in our textbook, they have can-do statements for each chapter. So we also include the can-do statements um, in our syllabus. So they, they kind of go with our themes. And we're going to, you know, we can talk about um, those. Those are more specific, but we do have that as an element in our syllabus, the, mm -hmm. the specific can-dos. But that is you know, because of our specific um, textbook. I think it's also important, and again, I don't know what you have, but to include a description of what, you know, a novice high learner, the description of the novice high learner. That's not something I have in my syllabus, just because of the way I tweak it, but it's something I could and probably, sh well, no, because our descriptors are the European framework. Oh, you guys use the European framework. But because of that, that's why I didn't add them, because then it gets confusing. It, it amounts to about the same thing. Right. The, and and Axel actually has a crosswalk. Right. To show they, you the, the A1, A2 level, you know, what it's equivalent to in the actual scale. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I just think that the, I like the actful ones better mm -hmm. because I think they're more reflective of it because anybody in the street, you can say, hey, I am intermediate low in this thing. What does that tell you about my proficiency in this? How, you know, knowledgeable am I? And people are going to be like, well, you, you get better than her, you're not a beginner, but you're, you still have ways to go until you get to the top. Mm -hmm. But if you ask somebody, say, hey, I'm a B1 level on this, and they're gonna be <laughs> like, great, and move on. <laughs> I know, they're like, what does that mean? <laughs> uh, 
Because yeah. that's, I mean, I know when I was learning languages and I was still living in France, that wasn't a thing that I don't think it existed. If it did, I didn't hear about it. because No, I was it's fair. It's, yeah, no, not when you were in school. Right. And so now I have people going and I started seeing and people going, oh, yeah, I'm trying to get to the A2 or I'm trying to the B2. And I'm like, okay, good for you. I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, uh, I've educated myself a little bit more since then, but I do think actual is a little bit more reflective. So I like that better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, one other goal I was going to say that I have for my classes and it's, it's for my students, but it's also more for me. So I don't put it on my syllabus, but it is always in the back of my mind is by the end of my course, especially especially a 101 because that should be their first touch with the language mm-hmm. and my goal is for them to develop an appreciation for the french and francophone culture right and appreciation also for the language to the point that eventually even if they drop off after 101 because it doesn't fit in their schedule that further on in life they will still fall back on that appreciation and go you Mm -hmm. know i really enjoyed french and i want to go back to it and learn more of it exactly instead of the i took two years and i can't say a word i guess exactly i mean we all get tired of that and so you know i'm thinking if you get tired of hearing that then you've got to be part of the change You yes, there's nothing more depressing than people telling you, oh, yes, I took so many years of French. I don't remember a thing. And you're like, oh, God. But every once in a while, I have, oh, yeah, I took French in high school. And I really like what we did in class. It was fun. We did this and we did that. And I remember a little bit, not as much as I would want. But, you know, and you can tell there's something. And these students will go back to it at some point. Right. Yeah. They'll, maybe they'll go to Duolingo and do it on their own. But they will try to do something. So. That's one of my goals, because I think as a teacher, if I'm able to foster that, right, then I've done my job. Well, and that actually, you know, I mean, that's part of the, um, the world readiness standards is lifelong learning. Mm-hmm. We want our students to be lifelong learners. And I think part of that, too, which is totally not on the subject, but part of that is that we have to model that we're still learning. Yes. You know, and so, I mean, I do that a lot in French when somebody, when they ask me something like, hmm, I have no idea how to say, you know, whatever, let me go look it up for you. Um, so, yeah, you, um, you definitely want them to be lifelong learners. Mm-hmm. Well, that's where we can pick up different skills. And um, with my students this year or this semester in the spring, the conversation turned to my pottery learning a good bit. And they were interesting. They interested. They thought it was fascinating that I was learning to make pottery. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, do you have pictures? I was like, sure. Are you sure you want to see that? <laughs> <laughs> right. And they thought it was hilarious. And I told them, I said, I'm a novice. You know, I am learning this, but here is my goal. You know, my, my goal is to learn to center my clay on my wheel. My goal is to be able to raise a wall and not collapse it. Yes. 
and then I will go to my next step. And so, and I was like, it's just like you in French, you're trying to figure out, you know, your context. You're trying to make your sentence without collapsing it, where you're understandable, you know, you're comprehensible. You're right. working that. So as I was learning that, I was putting it back into that context of them and it had them think a little bit more about their French learning and where they were at it. And seeing me share with them, it, they thought it was funny because they had, I mean, as a novice potter, I can tell you some of the pieces we see out there and we're like, oh, this is so cool. Yeah, the final product might be cool, but it's the real result of a collapsed pot. <laughs> that is what gave you such a cool pot. So it was not done intentionally in a lot of cases. It's just the finishing of it and then the glazing of it that ended up making it something different, something cool. Yeah, I heard that. Well, you know, I did the same thing. I was learning, I was using the Pimsleur app, not endorsing them or whatever, to learn German because my daughter and I were supposed to go to Germany and I wanted to be able to, you know, say a few things. And so um, I had actually a student who is a heritage German speaker in one of my Spanish classes. So I discovered that the first week. So then I would start coming in there every week and you know, saying things to him in German and he would just laugh. He's like, that must be the lesson of the week. And I'm like, it is. So did you understand me? Was I comprehensible? What did I say? And of course, you know, he's like, well, your pronunciation's a little off. I said, yeah, I figured, you know, but he's like, yeah, you're understood. And he just, you know, he went with it. And, um, and they were like, that's so cool, Dr. Chambliss. I can't believe you're, you know, trying to learn another language. That's awesome. And so, you know, and then they, they saw too that I wasn't afraid to take a risk. I would go in there and I would say something to Adam. And if he didn't understand it, he'd be like, I don't know what you're saying. And I'd be like, no, no, it's this. And then I'd correct myself. And so they saw me making mistakes and trying to get myself, you know, so they saw me taking a risk. Right. And they and saw I the think, lifelong learner and they're like, you're still going with it. And yes. Right. So I think, yeah, you're absolutely right. Those kinds of things are very um, important um, as far as, um, as far as the goals go. So those are kind of the, that's kind of, that's like the very first step of step one. Step mm -hmm. one has a lot of different steps. Right. So then we have the understandings. So what the students will understand mm, is the essential questions are next. I don't know. They're both on the template I'm looking at. Understanding and essential questions are on the same line. Yeah, but essential. But questions understandings is on the left, and essential questions is on oh, the right. Oh, we always did. We always did essential questions first. Okay. Well, let's go to essential questions. Yeah, I think that's easier to do that, and then the, the understandings because you've already got questions. Oh, so, true. 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 Let's listen yeah. to the experts, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's me. And so, you know, going back to McTie and Wiggins, um, they have three different types of essential questions. And I think sometimes the essential questions are so hard for teachers. I've been in my children's classrooms and I saw, you know, the essential question was, how do I conjugate the verb poder? And I was like, oh dear, that's not an essential question, you know, but because they don't really know what an essential question is, but, you know, they can be like important, timeless questions that are very broad in scope, 
that you may not find one single answer to. Um, that's, you know, like, what is the meaning of life? I mean, well, I was going to say, that's the important, that's the importance. I cannot talk this afternoon. Importance of the essential question, right? That mm -hmm. it is open-ended and there is no right or wrong answer. That's yes, that's one type. Um, then there's a another type that's called the elemental or foundational, which is debated by experts in the field. So there are several different theories out there and maybe you are trying to see which theory you support or believe that that could be out there. Um, and then there's content related, um, you know, which are vital or necessary for understanding core content. So there are three different types of essential questions. So, um, you know, the important or timeless type of question would be like, you know, what is a hero or what is art? I mean, do we ever really know, or like what we were doing, what is culture? You know, mm -hmm. when we were talking about that, I mean, everybody has their own definition, their own idea of what it is. Um, then, you know, your kind of your elemental foundational would be, you know, what is the connection between food and culture? Um, how does social media impact modern society as a whole? And those would work well at the unit level. Yes. Them? It, because exactly. then you're looking at a specific topic. Exactly. And then you've got the content related essential questions, which are, you know, what is the connection between the Roman army and the Roman people? Or, you know, what are the Mexican and American views of death? if you're going to be talking about the day of the dead or something like that. So there's three different types. And I think that probably the important and timeless ones go really well for your overarching curriculum. Mm -hmm. So what would be an, an essential uh, question for, you know, a level one curriculum? Well, you're going to tell me I'm wrong, probably, oh, but I okay. was thinking. I'd like, like to tell you that you're wrong. That's my favorite pastime. I know. It doesn't happen that often, does it? <laughs> well, we won't go into that. We're trying to be nice on the air here. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's not air our dirty laundry. <laughs> no, I, I was thinking, would that one work? Why should I learn a foreign language? that would that could work or is it too i mean it's broad it is it is um you know perhaps why is learning a language important in today's society uh, see there you did it again take something i threw out and made it so much better well that's my job yeah yeah <laughs> I, I put out the ideas and you fixed them no <laughs> Now that makes it sound like I have no ideas. I resent that. <laughs> no, no, no. We we don't we I don't had, work that way. But look, I've had so many ideas. Your husband hates me because I take you like, hey, I got this great idea. Let's go do this. He's like, where are you going? What are you doing? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't say he hates you, but he he's given up now. He's like, you're doing what? Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, you've got to wear them down. See, that's just what you do. Rick doesn't even ask me anymore. He's like, okay, whatever. 
Yeah, that's 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 it. That's the key, yep. guys. You wear them down. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, there was a time I would say, hey, this opportunity is coming my way. I'm considering it. And you'd be like, well, how much time is that going to take you? And, you know, there's this and there's that. And the other day I said, hey, uh, so I'm one of the new co-directors for the North Carolina AATF immersion program. And he's like, okay. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, I just don't even care anymore. Do what you want to do. Just, just make sure you're home for dinner. <laughs> Yeah, just keep me posted on it. And yeah, uh, you don't even have to be here for dinner. Make sure dinner is ready. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but um, yeah, but you know something else that another question could be, you know, what is the connection between language and culture? Mm, yeah. That would be, that would be another one that, that you might want to um, consider for your curriculum. I mean, there's, there, there are so many different possibilities out there depending on what, you know, you could ask even, you know, what makes a global citizen? Mm, yeah. I mean, that could be like your overarching um, essential question. And isn't there, I think Dawn actually mentioned it, but isn't there uh, somebody on the internet, and you can look up on the internet if you're having trouble coming up with some good questions. Mm -hmm. As you can tell, I have a hard time coming up with the questions. That's why I go to Krista, because I'm like, hey, what do you think about that? And then she goes, yes, yes. And then she picks it up and, you know, puts it in that beautiful sentence that's full of meaning and I feel like a kindergartner, but that's okay because I'm learning. Uh, but there, you can Google it. Essential questions for, you know, French class or Spanish class or whatever. And there are some people out there who have some fabulous ones. And part of our job is not to reinvent the wheel. Mm -hmm. It's to re... What's the word I'm looking for? Reappropriate. Reappropriate. Okay. Reappropriate. Reappropriate. Okay. Or yeah, to, yeah, to well, and to share, to collaborate. So Absolutely. we're collaborating. So you can find things other people have done where they have an essential question. You think, oh, that is a good one, and use it. Mm -hmm. um, especially as you're learning, it makes it a little bit easier. And you know what I think, though, I think some people are probably out there going, "Why do you need an essential question? What's the point?" Well, why? Because we've gotten that um, when we've done our workshop. Well, you know, I think it, it helps give focus. It helps focuses what helps focuses. Listen to me, I can't even speak English. It helps focus um, your curriculum. If, if your goal is all about global citizenship, then your curriculum needs to reflect that. It helps to kind of clarify and prioritize your content. Okay. And I think isn't part of the essential question too. I don't think we said that, but um, it's the takeaway that the students are going to have. What is going to stay with them? That's called the enduring understanding. Oh, sorry. All right. <laughs> I mean, they go hand in hand. They do. They do. Absolutely. So, and another thing that some people, and I don't know if this is true or not, um, but some people say that if you have an essential question that has really focused and prioritized, you know, your goals and, and whatnot, 
that you may be more willing to let go of some of this standard textbook curriculum. Mm. And honestly, if, if you think about this, okay, my whole thing is what is a global citizen and what does it take to be a global citizen? Do you really have to be able to talk about your school schedule? Right. Um, you know, you and I have talked about that. And I mean, that is not generally something that is very, it's not a high frequency topic. I mean, you might talk about your schedule the first day of school for what, the 12 years you're in school. And I mean, you just, it's not something that you talk about. I don't know. I would not consider it essential in a level one course, but that's just me. Well, in real life, the only time where you might come across and talk about what your schedule is like is if you're trying to make plans with somebody. Right. As in, well, we need to meet tomorrow. Yeah, we do. Are you free tomorrow? Well, no, I'm not because I have classes all day, but you're not going to go through the whole list of classes all day. It's going to mm -hmm. be, I have classes all day, or I have, you know, I'm working all day, or I have this activity that's coming, but right. you don't go into a laundry list of, yes, I am studying this and I am studying that and I am studying this. And, oh, and, and I have this class at eight and this class at nine and this class at 10. Right. You don't. And, and yeah. And it's in the way it's presented. I think we could get still have that type of activity and present it into a real world task, which is let's make an appointment so we can mm -hmm. come up with a, a dose, you know, at the same time. Right. And maybe at that point, because you are two college students is, well, I have class from this time to this time. Oh, me too. But I have a gap after that. Well, me too. Okay. So what is your class before that? Do we have enough time to meet up on campus or are we at completely opposite ends of the campus? Right. Right. No, no, no. I do. I think some of it depends on, yes, absolutely on the context. So, um, but I think that's why essential questions are important. It's because it helps you to maintain your focus. Um, so don't forget they should be open-ended and invite inquiry. Um, and it takes some time, okay? Um, you're gonna draft and edit and revise and have other people look at them and that's okay because I mean, and, and that's the process I go through with my method students. When they first do these, they're, a lot of the time they don't get it. They're putting them into their goals. Like, you know, somebody said their essential question was, how do I order food? Like, no, that's not an essential question. So, you know, it's going to, it takes practice. So don't get discouraged about that. And if you need help with essential questions, of course you can, you know, shoot us a line and we'll help you. Absolutely. 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 Yes. So the next step is the understandings, which is the right. takeaway. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I see why you wanted to do essential question first, because you have the question and then what is the takeaway mm -hmm. basically from that. Right. And so, yeah, your enduring understanding is basically something that the students will remember from your class, even if they don't remember bonjour. Mm -hmm. You know, this is something that they will remember, you know, if, if it's, uh, if your question was about how language and culture are connected, you know, 
um, maybe that's what's going to stick with them and they can even explain your language, uh, the language culture connection, but they may not remember much of the language that they were learning, but they're, they're always going to have that or like, you know, what is the connection between food and culture? You know, they're going to be able to explain that mm-hmm. to, um, to someone long after the course is done. So some of the characteristics um, is that it frames the big idea, basically and um of of whatever the 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 topic is um and and as i was saying it transfers to other fields of um of study that you know i learned this in my french class and i think it applies here you want them to be able to to do that um that's my I, i get so happy when there's they tell me oh, we did that in whatever class and what we're doing in this class helped me with it because I was able to make that connection. Mm -hmm. Or Mm -hmm. we were studying this and there was that and I was able to do it thanks to this class. And I get so happy with it. Yes, exactly. And so, you know, the enduring understandings can focus on so many different things. It could focus on a concept or a theme, you know, a problem or challenge a theory, a process, you know, a different perspective. Um, and so I think it, it, you know, it's, it's really, uh, wide open. Um, so, you know, I'm trying to think we have some, you know, like if your essential question was, what is a hero? So maybe one of your enduring understandings is that heroes come in all shapes and sizes. And so that, I should have written down that uh, the essential questions we came up with as we were talking because I didn't, and mm-hmm. I don't know if you did or if you remember them, but putting them in terms of that, like mm-hmm. um, what is the importance of learning a foreign language in right. um, today's society and enduring enduring understanding that is difficult to say uh would be maybe um that by knowing or having some basic knowledge even with another culture you are able to better communicate Mm Or, you know, what is the connection between language and culture? You know, maybe one of the enduring understandings would be that, you know, idiomatic expressions, you know, cannot be literally translated from, from one language to another. Um, that there are just certain things that, that cannot be translated. Mm-hmm. Um, and that are very, you know, cultural, culturally specific. And, you know, there are really some idioms that uh, are Southern, like I'm just thinking about like English, you've got some things that we say here in the South that other people don't. Um, and I'm thinking, I know that when I was in high end Spain, and I can't think of the exact idiom, but it was all about um, a lizard. Um, down there but it's because of a story you know that circulated in the south and you would not hear that expression anywhere else right and so how the 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 culture and the the language is connected that way would be another um enduring understanding 
Um, I think another one could be um, in terms of culture is that, you know, customs and traditions vary within a culture as well as between cultures. And I don't think people really understand that, um, you know, because, I mean, and, but we've seen it, you know, the Northern United States is very different from the Southern, different from the Midwest and the Northwest. And, you know, we have, our country is so vast that we have lots of different cultures within the American culture. But I don't think a lot of people realize that the same thing happens in other countries. There are cultures within culture. And I think maybe another one uh, could be that geographic, Ge geography, geography mm -hmm. um, influences local cultures. Okay, it could very well. And because if you take your northern states in the U.S., people mm -hmm. are a little bit more direct, a little bit more cold, uh, kept to themselves. But if you go down to the south, it's a little bit more of a oh, embracing and mm -hmm. you know all of that. And same thing is happening in France. In northern France, they're very cold and dreary and. You know, obviously, you have lovely people too. <laughs> people right, in the north are just ogres, but as an attitude, because the weather influences that, you spend a lot more time indoors, maybe. That's true too. Mm -hmm. Where in the south of France, and and it's reflected in the accents too. You you have a difference in yes. the accent. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. so well, and something, something that's that so prominent too that makes me is the is the whole man issue. You know, here in the South, you say ma'am, but up North, they think it's an insult. Uh, you know, a lot of people feel like, don't call me ma'am, I'm not old. Um, here in the South, I mean, ma'am is considered respectful. And I mean, you better say, yes, ma'am, no, sir. You know, things like that. Whereas in other places, they're like, don't do that. That's, that. I'm not old. Mm -hmm. And so, but, but that is an example of culture within a culture. And so I think that, um, yeah, that's another example of an enduring understanding. So, um, you know, we've actually got, holy cow, that's still step one. Yep. So our next one is to determine student knowledge. What key knowledge and skills will the students require as a result of this class? You know, what is the key, what are the key components that, you know, we want for them? And that's where, that's where, um, if you have, if you are following a textbook, that it can guide you a little bit too, right? Because you have your chapters. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, so your and your can-do statements. And your yeah. can-do statements. So your greetings. Students will be able to properly greet using the proper um, formal or informal uh, context. Um, students will be able to order food. Students will know about food. Well, I think though, if we're looking at, de yes, determining student knowledge um, at, at, the, at the curricular level, you can start thinking, um, 
you know, about what themes you want the, um, you know, you want to incorporate um, in your, uh, in your curriculum. Um, so what you should probably do is, so if you're looking at, you know, what is the connection between language and culture, you've got your enduring understanding, maybe about the idioms or the culture within a culture, whatever that is, you know, maybe you need to create as far as student knowledge, um, you know, the, the, the term, what student knowledge, write two to three can-do statements about that particular goal. Right. And so that would be, um, that would be, you know, I can, um, you know, it depends, again, it's going to depend on your level. So it might be, I can, um, use a certain idiom or, or, um, so I think that we could, um, you know, come up with two to three can do statements for each one of, of the goals. Was that your bird? That's my dog. We've, we said it before, we'll say it again. This is a difficult process to go through, especially the first time. Mm -hmm. And maybe even the second and the third. Um, but there are resources out there to help you. Yes. So you can go back, you know, turn to the internet, turn to, um, I'm sure that the, is it Island Gleason and um, who is it with the um, high leverage teaching practices where they talk about backward design mm -hmm. and there are other resources out there you can go back to and have suggestions that will guide you. So don't think, oh, I'm making it all up and maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. Krista mm -hmm. and I right now are making it up because, well, maybe we're not fully prepared and because we want to give you an idea <laughs> as to how to do it and to show you the process of it because the idea is for you to see our minds at work and our minds are not going to be at work if we've done all the work beforehand and then we're just comparing notes. The next step would be determining student knowledge. So you have to ask yourself, what key knowledge and skills will the students acquire you know, as a result of this course. And again, that's going to depend on your overarching goals. And so if one of them is, you know, perhaps the connection between language and culture and all about, you know, the idioms or what have you, um, maybe some of the key knowledge would be a few idioms. Um, and you might even kind of connect it to English, um, you know, such as the raining cats and dogs, right? Um, that we say in English, and sometimes that doesn't, I mean, that doesn't literally translate um, to, uh, to another language. And so they would need to research, well, what, um, how, how do they say that? You know, like I know in Quebec, they say, il pleut à clou, it's raining nails. And so, hmm. Yes, exactly. And so maybe one of the skills that they would have is um, being able to look up those things and, you know, compare the differences uh, in those types of expressions and perhaps to be able to use 
an expression correctly in the target language. Now, that, now this is for, I'm talking level one. Right. Right. Um, so, um, you know, can you think of, of maybe any other knowledge that they would, that you would need I specifically? Under level one, an important knowledge, especially in French, would be to recognize the importance between formal and informal. Mm-hmm. And that speaks to cultural competence, right? Mm-hmm. Because I encounter too many speakers of French who have absolutely no idea or who, while you're talking to them, they go back and forth between tu and vous which mm -hmm. tells me, and it's not, because sometimes people would do that because they're not sure whether they need to go formal or informal. So they'll throw right. one, kind of see the reaction, they'll throw another one to kind of see the reaction, kind of maybe go with one or go back and forth. But what I'm seeing is people who just use both of them interchangeably. Right. Showing that they never acquired that skill. And, and in the French culture, it's an extremely, extremely important topic. Uh, you don't, you don't go informal with somebody that you you have never met because that is not going to go over well. And that's a very difficult. That's a very difficult concept mm -hmm. for Americans, especially. And you know, I've been a language teacher for <clears throat> a lot of years. We won't say exactly how many. Um, you know, and I've traveled a lot. Um, but it's still, and I think we've commented on this before, but it was still just mind blowing to me that it was such a big deal to your parents if they should use to or who with me. And I, it just kind of tickled me because I thought, well, you know, I'm, I'm your daughter's friend. And so I just thought, well, you'll use to. And of course I used vu because that's what I was trained. Always go with the formal if you're unsure, you know, but yeah, I know your dad had a really hard time. Oh, should I do this or that? And so, but for us, you know, Americans were like, what is the big deal? We don't, we don't quite grasp that. Yeah. Right. And I think that is definitely a skill that by the end of 101 students need to understand. Right. And I, and I do understand linguistically it's even more problematic because in english we don't have that distinction it's you mm -hmm. and you mm -hmm. so to them it, it's kind of it's difficult linguistically yes. to recognize but culturally if they can recognize it culturally then they can adapt so i think that's that's definitely one of my skills that's on there mm -hmm. um, and maybe definitely. because i am french and and i think some of what we're looking for is going to be different depending on who we are as a teacher. Mm, that's definitely true too. But so that's one of the next steps is determining the student knowledge. And then you have to determine your objectives. So what will the students be able to do as a result of your class? What do you want them to be able to do at the end of your class? Um, and so, of course, you have to determine your proficiency level, right? Your learning target. What is the goal? And remember, we had said that you kind of need a range because proficiency, I mean, everybody has their own journey um, on the path of proficiency, right? Mm -hmm. So you got to make sure that you have that. You need to consult the actual can-do statements, not only the can-do statements, but the intercultural can-do statements as well. Right. And one of mine on this one would be my students will be able to have a short 
conversation on very familiar topics. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. would be one. Um, so, yes. yeah. Absolutely. And, and then I, everything will fall off, like you said, from the looking back at the can-do statements that will help guide a lot into what the students will be able to do by the end of the course. Yes. Yes. So you've got the backward design, you know, strategy, um, framework that you, you, you're using all the time. So you use it to design your overall curriculum for the year. Then you use it to design each individual unit, and then you design each individual lesson plan. Right. Mm -hmm. But right here, we have gotten to the end of stage one. <laughs> I know, right? How exhausting. This one is just so long. That, uh, to me, it's the most difficult one. Mm -hmm. That's Definitely. the one I struggle with the hardest. Mm -hmm. because it forces us to ask ourselves those difficult questions. Right. So, but right. once we have that, we're ready to go. So let's go to stage two, which is the evidence. How right. will students show us what they have learned or what they can do? And that we have the direct and the indirect evidence. Right, exactly. Some people call it, direct and indirect some people call it you know um formative and summative mm -hmm. so it's really you know it's going to depend so your direct evidence you know what authentic performance tasks are the students going to demonstrate and i you know i think that in this case when we're talking about the overall curriculum we're looking at more summative asset type assessments rather than the formative will be in each individual unit, you know, and daily along. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I think for your overall curriculum, you're going to be looking at a lot of, of summative. Uh, I mean, it, 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 again, it depends on you and your teaching style and, and whatnot. But I mean, in my brain, I'm thinking that our, you know, evidence at the end of the semester is an integrated performance assessment. Right. And that's what I was going to say. Basically, especially since we're talking, it's the, it's our term. So whether it is a semester, whether it's a year, whether if you're teaching on the block schedule, it's um, half a year, um, whatever it is that you're doing at the end of that. And for lack of better term, it's the final exam. Mm -hmm. But I'm using this term loosely because when I hear final exam, I think multiple choice, fill in the blanks, that sort right. of thing. And oh, my hackles go up very quickly. <laughs> well, but you know, it's, and it's very interesting that you say that because I had started using integrated performance assessment, IPA, et cetera, et cetera. And that's what I had been talking about all throughout the semester. And I promise you this little child in my class, he raises me and he goes, but what's our final, yeah. what's our final exam? And I thought, oh my goodness. I'm like, honey, we do you remember when we did this. Yeah. And I said, that was your midterm. He goes, really? It didn't <laughs> seem like a midterm. Like, uh. yeah. So yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's when I've often told my students, I, I mean, now I have to have a, some kind of 
final exam, I don't have a choice. So I'm right. working, navigating the waters to, to respect the, the mm -hmm. coherence of the department. But um, when I had more freedom, I told them, I said, we're doing, the last thing we're doing was an oral conversation. And mm -hmm. I said, that's it. We've done assessment throughout the semester. You've done things. I've been able to see the progression. I don't need to do one final thing. Mm -hmm. And I've done the IPA because it is a comprehensive exam, right? It has the mm -hmm. three modes of communication. So that one will, will hit on all of them. But sometimes mm -hmm. I'll tell them, I said, okay, the presentational we don't need to do it you've been doing it all semester let's right. see what comprehension you now have let's see your interpersonal skills and let's call it a day mm -hmm. so that that evidence that direct evidence you want to think what is the final thing that you do with your student but remember early on into the podcast we said we have to know the why mm -hmm. And a multiple choice, fill in the blank, does not answer the why. No. It has to be meaningful. Well, and it doesn't really, I mean, I'm sorry, but it, it, and I know there are people out there who argue that you can make a good multiple choice test, a difficult multiple choice test. Um, but, you know, again, if you're in France and someone asks you your name, they're not going to give you a choice, pick A, B, or C. I mean, you're going to have to answer the question. Right. You know, and so, yeah, exactly. And you're going to have to adjust like the conversation you and I had when we were in France, which was funny because it kept coming up. It just amused me how often it came up because you never directly ask somebody's age, but at the same time, the topic <laughs> of age happens very often right. and you'll talk to somebody and someone you might know better and, and kind of have that comparison and go, well, but you and I are the same age and the person I loved had never noticed that. And you were like, okay, I'm confused here. We never state our age, but we state the year we were born. Right. And wasn't it your sister or something that said like 68 or something? I'm like, I am not 68. What are you talking about? Yeah, we were in the car. Yeah, we were talking yeah, okay. and saying, uh, yeah, so and was. so we're the same thing because we're from whatever year. And you were like, I'm not that age. <laughs> I was like, no, but you had to make that adjustment, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It wasn't put to you as a multiple choice as to where that is. So, and that's what the IPA is because you're giving them something where they have seen that context, they have seen that topic, but not that specific document, and they're having to adjust and show you what it is. That is real world task. Right, and they're showing you what, you, what they can do with the language, you know, not what they don't know. Right, and, and oh, was that in one of the, the trainings we went to, or somebody I listened to, I don't know, I have so much information in my head, uh, or maybe even Patton is the one who said that in one of his podcasts, how students know more than what they're able to show us. Yes, that's true. And so we have to give them the opportunity for them to show us a lot of what they can do. Mm -hmm. 
And if the task is very limited, like search with a multiple choice or fill in the blank, then they're not able to show us everything that they're able to do. So that's also very important to give them a task because maybe they picked up more language outside of the classroom because they were interested in a topic and looked into it a little bit more. Or right. maybe, especially when they do the talk abroad with you or the boomerang conversation with me with, um, with a native speaker, maybe they picked up something that they did not pick up in the classroom. Mm -hmm. And if you're giving them one of those tasks that's more real world, at that point, they're able to show that off. Right. Definitely. Otherwise, they can't. Yes. And so I think that, you know, the direct evidence is actually what we're more used to, um, you know, but indirect evidence, and I think this is important that someone had included, how will students reflect upon and self-assess their learning? Mm. And that, you know, that can also factor in and I think that's an important aspect of is to make sure that you build in time for student reflection and self-assessment. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of teachers and I mean and I've been guilty of it myself and I'm trying to do better we get this oh gosh I've got to make sure that I quote cover all of this because when they go on to 102 their teachers not their new teachers not going to think well what they do in class. Um, and so, I mean, we've all been there and done that, but you have to give them some time to self-assess and some time to reflect on their own learning. And, I, and I, I think that's really important as well. And that can be used as evidence um, of their learning because maybe they're gonna reflect on, wow, I had no idea about all these connections between language and culture. Mm -hmm. And I think, too, maybe one of the indirect evidence would be how willing your students are to take risks. Mm. So if you are doing, especially in the oral, because that is the most vulnerable, right, when you have to speak, are they willing to speak? Because if they are, it means they've, they have a certain comfort with the language. They mm -hmm. have a certain confidence that even if they're making a mistake, that there's still communication that's going to happen. And I think that is an indirect evidence of what they can do with the language. Mm -hmm. Yes. So that's an important one as well. So that Absolutely. will go into our little list. But um, like I said earlier, we're just scratching the surface because we're looking at a whole semester, you might be looking at a whole year, and we don't want to go through every single one of them because it does take some time. Um, mm -hmm. We've been chatting for a while here going through especially stage one. Stage two is a little bit quicker, but you do have to take the, the, the due time and we're not going to spend two hours and have force everybody listen to our <laughs> brain, our tired brains. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Um, but then two, step three are, you know, that's your learning plan. And when you're designing your overall curriculum, you know, now is where you're like, okay, I've got to break this down into my units. What, you know, what thematic units, or maybe if you're using a textbook, so what are the themes that my textbook talks about? So then that's the next step is to take each 
unit, I mean, each theme and develop your unit using the backward design format that we have just gone over. Right. So basically this stage three, because it's the overall unit, the overall program is going to be made up of a bunch of backward design documents. Mm -hmm. That one is going to be a little bit bulkier because you're going to have that. And then each unit, your action plan is going to break it down into the lessons. So you're for each unit, it might end up being day one, day two, day three. But um, this one we're talking about today, the stage three, the action plan is a whole lot of backward design documents that need to happen. So in this portion, you can put a little list of what individual units are going to be or you know, I'm going to do chapter one greetings and chapter two, whatever. Mm -hmm. Unless you have a textbook like mine where it tells you it has a theme, but then it doesn't. So you have to go hunt for it throughout the whole textbook and bring it together. Right, right. And so I think, um, you know, some people, you can tend to get overwhelmed. I mean, let's face it. You can absolutely get overwhelmed with all of this. And especially I am extremely mindful of because of being in Alabama, there are a lot of teachers out there who are the only language teacher in their school. So, you know, they don't have anyone. You say, you know what you take like Sandrine and I did, we were like, okay, you take this, I'll take this, you take this, I'll take that because it all falls on their shoulders. And so I think that um, it's really important to um, to remember that and that Rome wasn't built in a day and you can you can definitely um, just do, you know, work on a unit a semester if you have to. And you can still rely on your textbook until you get everything the way you want it. Absolutely. And like you said, having somebody to bounce it off is important. And sometimes we don't have that but you can still have your professional friend from a different school or even a different language. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Uh, because across the board, maybe you're using different textbooks. So your, your backward design for your whole school year is going to look a little bit different, but your overarching, um, goals, your overarching essential questions and um, essential understandings will be very similar. Yes. So absolutely. you can work together on that and then bouncing the ideas off of somebody. It works. And we're the proof of it because, I mean, although you have taught French, you're mostly teaching Spanish. I'm teaching French. We had, what, two years where we taught in the same school, but we've mm -hmm. taught in different schools the rest of the time. Now we're even in different states. Right. And we're still able to make it work. So you can find somebody that you, you, you've met at a conference and you really enjoy talking to and talking with and be like, hey, let's work together because it helps. It works. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think next week we're going to try to break it down a little more and look at uh, planning an actual unit, correct? Yes. Next yes. week, let's look at an individual unit. Okay. And we might cheat and take one we took before, but that's okay. We'll revisit it. 
and <laughs> yeah okay and if you guys have any questions or comments please drop us a line at step into mondays at gmail.com and we will be happy to answer any of your questions or take any of your criticism yep or tweet <laughs> at us at into mondays you can dm us you can just go ahead and put it for the whole world to see and yeah so we will see you next Monday for right. another Rocky Road. And I believe that would be in, in Italian, if I remember correctly, a lunedì. Uh, and I'm going to take your word for it. And I'm not even going to try German because. Well, I know Montag, Montag. But I don't know how to say until Monday. I just know Montag. Well, Montag, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Half a dozen. All right. Bye. All right, bye.